Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of It's All Geek to Me, a podcast where we discuss anything and everything geek-related. I am Trey. And that must mean I am Tim. We are deep into fall now. Halloween has passed. It's some good times. It's some good times. We are today jumping back into our MCU rewatch. So we're continuing through phase two with probably the most controversial. Maybe? Maybe not anymore, but for sure controversial when it came out. For sure, Marvel movie, and that is Thor the Dark World, because you know, it is all geek to me. If it's a comic book or a comic movie, it's all geek to me. If it's some sort of game or a show on TV, it's all geek to me. Right, Thor. Thor. A character who has now gotten four movies, has shown up in one, two, three, four other movies. <laughs> um, actually, five if you count Doctor Strange. Yeah, he mean, he's there. Yeah. Uh, but one who has had lots of ups and downs in his, his personality, his appearance... <laughs> can't forget about those blonde eyebrows that's true um fun fact about this movie dark thor the dark world that was chris hemsworth actual hair in this one he didn't act, he didn't have a wig so <laughs> Good, because it looked awful in the first thor movie <laughs> it, it didn't look great it did not look great yeah i was watching this movie and like i remember this movie not being great like i remember this being my, my least favorite of the thor movies and it being not awesome and not, you know, the best. But I remember it being better than when I watched it this time. And so I think I had the kind of an opposite kind of thing happen to me where I was like, oh my gosh, I have to watch this movie. I dreaded watching this movie because I remember it being awful or like a snooze fest. Mm-hmm. And I watched it. And to be honest, there's elements of this movie that are actually pretty cool. They're interesting. Yeah. And so I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to, but it's still a hard movie to rewatch. Yeah, I I think I got more hopeful after our last MCU rewatch with Iron Man 3. Because yeah. I think both of us were pleasantly surprised of like, man, or at least I was. Like, I remember this movie being so bad, and then I watched Iron Man 3, and I was like, man, this is great. I Like, this is really enjoyable. And then I was like, maybe, maybe I remember Thor The Dark World wrong. Maybe, you know this will be a lot better than I thought. And then I went into it and I was like, oh no. <laughs> oh man. I was, I was a, I was a little sad. So yeah. yeah. And I will, the beginning, let's just, let's just jump right in. I'm going, let's do director first. Cause I really want to talk about the pacing of this movie. How there is no pace. There is no pace to this movie. <laughs> There's zero pace for this movie. This movie, like, like when you watch a movie, it has those ups and downs, right? It has a flow. It has, you know, the beginning, it sets it up, then it kind of builds it, 
and then you have the climax, and then you have conclusion. This movie, I feel like, has has set up. It has, you know, the beginning story of, you know, Odin narrating to his sons, you're assuming, about, you know, his, his father and the Dark Elves and the war. And also, sidebar, I feel like every Thor movie almost has, like, an ancient war that took yeah. place long ago. And I, I get it. That's, like, all Norse mythology. Like, Norse mythology is filled with ancient wars that took place and all this craziness. Um, But then it's just, like, kind of built up-ish? And then, and then climax. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, ah, I wanted this movie to be good. Um, Thor is not my favorite character in Marvel. Um. I'll actually hot take. I don't know if this is actually that hot or not, but Thor is only good when he's in the Avenger movies, in my opinion. That's I'd the honestly, only time I've actually enjoyed him. I enjoyed. I mean, I might be getting ahead of myself. I I enjoyed Ragnarok. I think Ragnarok was a a good movie. I really enjoyed that one. We'll see if that opinion changes in this rewatch. But I honestly would agree. I think in his own movies. The directors don't know, and the writers don't know what to do with him. And they don't I know how that, to do it. I think that stems a lot from. So we've talked about this when we first started the podcast with the idea behind DC, Mar, uh, DC versus Marvel, and I've I've mentioned it before. DC, it's hard to create these characters because they're all gods. You only have Batman, who's the human among the gods. Mm-hmm. Marvel's the opposite, where you have all these humans with abilities. And then you got Thor, who's the god. And one of the things that I think DC struggles with, and I think Thor really gets the brunt of it in Marvel, is what do you do with a god who has everything? Yeah, and I and I think it's funny in the MCU. I don't know how they do it in the comic books, but in the MCU, they go back and forth on whether or not Thor is actually a god, or they are as yes. guardians are actually the god are gods. Like in the Avengers and in the first Thor, they were like, we are gods, like we are practically immortal gods you know and we are benevolent and that's how they view them in thor one and in avengers then in this one literally you have the one of the first lines from odin and he's like we are not gods gods we live we die like you know and like that's what we do and it's like okay like are like you go back and forth and that's something that bugs me and Marvel does, like the comics, think about the comics now, they've always had a kind of a rocky, I think, start with Thor because what they were trying to do is show that, oh yeah, Norse mythology is still, is real in the Marvel comics. That's kind of what they were aiming for. Mm-hmm. And so they are gods. But the way Thor actually started out, and this might actually be why a lot of these movies are just so hard to get his character is because he didn't have a true character, I would say, to start with. Thor was known as Donald Blake, who was a physician. He was a doctor, and he had this cane. Um, and they kind of do this in Ragnarok a little bit to allude to it. But his whole purpose, when like 100 comics, like hundreds to 200 comics, he is only Donald Blake. And when he stabs his um, cane on the ground, it becomes a hammer, and he becomes the god Thor. Interesting. And so, really, it started out with him being Donald Blake, 
and he got the powers of Thor. It wasn't until, like I said, about two, three hundred comics in, I don't know actually how many, but they retconned it where they're like, oh no, you're Thor with the alias of Donald Blake because Odin put, like, casted you out. So that was something that wasn't introduced when Thor first was Interesting. a character. Okay. So it's more about you have the powers of Thor and not you are Thor. Interesting. So that was a fun little, like, um, Easter egg in the first Thor movie of Donald Blake. Exactly. Um, that's cool. That's fun. Yeah, that makes it hard. That makes it difficult. It's almost like the Shazam for DC. Like, Shazam exactly. and the kid, Billy Batson. Um, yeah. And I think kind of zeroing in a little bit on, on director, I think another reason this film kind of struggled a little bit is they went through like four directors. Yeah. I'm surprised to be honest that I had always pictured in my mind that Kenneth, um, can't think of his last name. Um, he plays Herculo, uh, Perret or pro. I can't, I have no French in me. Um, <laughs> in all the Chris, uh, Agatha Christie movies, like um, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Sorry, Death on the Nile and things like that. Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He directed the first movie. Yes, um, he's very he did. Shakespearean, and we talked about it in the first one where that movie was very Shakespearean, and we liked that about it. Yeah, I always thought that he was the director of this movie, and it wasn't until I watched yeah. it again I was like, he's not the director. Yeah, so he, when the movie was announced, he stepped away. And then their next choice, so after he stepped away, um, Marvel went to Brian Kirk. Um, And so Brian Kirk then kind of was like, this movie is like, I've never directed this like scale of a movie before. He's only, he directed a few episodes of Game of Thrones at the time. Um, And, but he was like, "I, I can't do this right now. So he stepped out. Then they got another director. Um, Patty Jenkins, and then she decided to leave <laughs> for creative differences. Was the uh, her Patty Patty Jenkins? Yes, she she directed something like superhero wise, didn't she? Um, she would move on to direct Wonder Woman. That's it. Yeah, That's so she she, she went to direct Wonder Woman. Um, but so yeah, so she creative differences um she wanted to make more of a romeo and juliet-esque story for thor the dark world um which i kind of you know would have been interesting um but she packs you know left for creative differences and then finally they ended up with their director of alan taylor so and okay i will give i will give him credit though because this movie was directed well i i would say Yes. At times. Yes. Um, we already <laughs> talked about the pacing. Pacing is an issue in this movie. I thought the beginning was solid. I thought, okay, hearing the uh, everything in Asgard and like Thor going around, stopping like skirmishes around the nine realms. Thought that was a great setup. It was like, ooh, this is going to be a pretty cool movie. We have Thor coming off of Avengers. What's going to happen? And then we jumped to Jane Foster. And... It, the pacing just completely halts. It like stops, in my opinion. Yeah, it. That's I. I honestly would agree. That's kind of where the pacing gets ruined. And it was honestly about ten minutes, fifteen minutes after that, I realized 
and it's less is like with directing and more of just kind of the way like I'm gonna say writing choices some directing choices and just kind of story structure this this movie deals with um cliches and stereotypes when it comes to movies like you have your protagonist caught up in love and like I'm thinking of the line from Sif Lady Sif where she's like you know the king of Asgard needs to look to all the realms not just one and it's like well you have that protagonist that's in love and so they're you know not neglecting their duties but like looking away from other things you have the funny side character who can't remember somebody's name and that's their joke for the whole time that was Darcy. Darcy couldn't remember the intern's name. You have, you know, the the protagonist's love interest falls into mortal danger in the very beginning of the movie. And then, like, or, like, you have the hero takes out one ship or does something really heroic to take out one really hard to enemy and then turns around. There's, like, 40 there. You know, it's, like, this movie just, and, like, that's just to name a few. But this movie has so many cliches and stereotypes, and I think that bogs it down. It does. And I actually, I, I paused the movie because I was like, oh my gosh, we're already at this point. Like, what what the heck? I paused it at the 20 minute mark of this movie, like around 20 <laughs> minutes. We already have Jane finding the ether. We already have Jane being very sick. We already have her going to Asgard. And we already have this whole plot line of like, Odin not wanting her. You need to stop. And it's like, oh my gosh, we're in 20 minutes of the movie. And we have all this stuff happening. I'm like, yeah, cool. And it's a two hour movie. Yeah. And I was like, this is cool. But now what you're doing is now you're like, get to Asgard, leave Asgard, go to this realm, try to find a way to leave this realm. Now go to Earth. Now stop him. There's so much moving around. Yeah. I'm like, I think that's another reason why I didn't care for the directing as much or I don't know if I would call this part of the directing, but at least a story structure. More of writing and story structure. Like, we did not need to be going from one place to another. Like, have it solidified in maybe two places. Yeah. And not jump around from all these different people. Because even when they're in Asgard, we're jumping back to Eric and... um, Darcy. And Darcy. And it was like, okay, every time... I like Eric. I liked his scenes. But, like, we didn't need it. I also felt that they, like... And I guess they're trying to do this from, you know, what happened in the Avengers with Loki being in his head... But they, he, it almost felt like Eric went from this pivotal character in the first movie, a pivotal character in Avengers, to a side comic relief and in this one. Unfortunately, we'll see that a lot in all the Thor movies. Yeah, and it's so sad because I I really liked his character and I thought he brought a really cool dimension to, to the world because in the first movie, they did a great job of um, having it be... A balance of science and magic where like oh yeah you have um you know magic for us is just science for you you know and it's and it was a good balance a little bit into that in this one yeah but i feel like it kind of almost ruined it in the way they dived into it because it felt more sciencey and less magic-y and I think that's kind of the part of the problem is they, for this movie, they tried to make it more realistic. Um, they tried to make it more grounded. And so they actually brought in some um, some people that worked on Game of Thrones. And they're like, we want to make it more grittier and more realistic and less fantastical. And I think that loses some of that amazing Thor-esque feeling. Because Thor Absolutely. needs to be fantastical. 
Now, I know we've been harping on some stuff, but I, I do want to give a positive in the structure uh, before I give my score. What kind of pushed my score a little bit higher for this category is Loki. The storyline of Loki yeah. was perfect. The pacing I love of Loki that story. was great. Unfortunately, the thing that I wanted more of was Loki. And once he... All right, spoilers for Thor The Dark World if you haven't already like figured it out. Loki <laughs> dies, in quotation. Quote, unquote. <laughs> and once that happens, we're done with Loki. And that's all we saw like an hour left in the movie. Yeah. And so for me, that last hour almost was harder to watch because you didn't have that captivating like Loki like within it all. And one of the things that I I will honestly say with Thor, you have to have Loki with Thor. It's one of those things that for whatever reason, anytime Thor is on screen and Loki's there too, it's very captivating. And it's one of the reasons why I think Thor Love and Thunder did not do as well. We didn't have Loki. Yeah, you didn't have him at all. Um, I mean, because Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston's chemistry is fantastic. The way they play off of each other, the way they, you know, their banter, their, you know, that chemistry is amazing. Like, you can legitimately be like, those guys are brothers. Like, you could see that, you know, in the way they act. And you said it. The scenes where Loki and Thor are together are just so captivating and so amazing. And then you have the whole second half of the movie, an hour left out of the two-hour film, without him. And without that, you know, tension, that comic relief, that... Because Tom Hiddleston and Loki plays that role so well. he's that He adds tension because he's a former villain. Still kind of a villain. He adds some great comedy elements. Like when he turned into um, to Captain America when they're walking through the hallway, that was hilarious. That was so funny. I like I laughed really hard during that point. When in this movie has a lot of forced humor. There's a lot of humorous points that, that's very forced. And I feel like it was very few of Loki's points, if only one, that his humor felt forced. Yeah. So, so I thought they did a great job. And so I, I do agree that they're, and that bumped it up a little bit for me too. So what what did you end up giving it? Because I, I was generous with mine. I I thought everything in this in this movie was average. It wasn't like below average. It was just average. It was just there. Yeah. And so because of kind of what they did with the Thor and Loki combo, I gave it a 5.5. I'm I'm right there with you. I gave it a 6 out of 10. Okay. So once again, I think some of the directing choices were really good. I think others were just really just not the most risky move that they could have done. It was very safe. I totally agree. And I think that's a great way to describe this movie because I'm going to kind of use this as a transition sentence. Uh, going into like arcs and like overall story and motivation, like the villain, villain hero story arcs and everything. Mm-hmm. No one really had an arc in this movie. Nope. Thor ended the way he was. Loki maybe. That's the his... only person that really had an arc. And it wasn't even a full arc. It was kind of a forced arc because of the uh, Frigg dying. Mm-hmm. And so like no one has an arc in this film. Thor yeah, kind of did by like refusing the throne at the end but he refused at the beginning too yeah like overall he doesn't really have an arc no and so i would say his his motivation for refusing the throne is better 
and different um, than the beginning of the movie. So I, I'd give it a slight arc, but no one really has an arc in this movie. So I think they played it safe and they, they kind of just played this, played everything safe and made everything average. Yeah. Here, here's my hot take with this. Thor should have ended up with Sif. Like Jane Foster yes. is a awful character through and through from the first Thor all the way to love and thunder. She is not a good character. See, I I just I disagree with that. I like her character. I still think he should have ended up with Sif though, because I feel feel like Sif could have added a lot more. Because um, you could have given Sif a really cool character arc in this movie, and in the Thor movies in general. Um, Jane should have died. Agreed. I mean, kind of does, but um, <laughs> yeah. But like. The, the reason I say that is Jane, we were just talking about character arcs. Jane does not have a single character arc in any of these movies. It doesn't feel like she really grows at all. Yes, in the yeah. last movie she's in, and this is getting a little ahead of ourselves with like Love and Thunder, she has a slight character arc, but it's not anything to do with her. It's to progress Thor's character. Who they had to, fo- yeah, we'll get we'll get at that. I was about to get so, way ahead of myself. <laughs> yeah, so we'll we'll get there eventually. And so I just thought the the whole relationship of Thor and Jane just feels forced. It feels just not good. <laughs> I do I do like it. I I do disagree with you a little bit because I do like their relationship, but I do think it could have had a really great motivation for Thor and given him a really good character arc. If she died in this one, um, somehow, some way she died. And then in Ragnarok, make it, you know, him finding Sif and being like, oh, wow, you're actually a really, a really amazing person. I think that could have been a really cool character development. But they didn't do that. Because, and I think they probably did that because Natalie Portman's a big name. And yeah. so they didn't want to lose that big name, which ironically they did until Love and Thunder. Because she, she does not come back until Love and Thunder. Um, like, I'm not ragging on her as an actress either because she is a good actress she does she's great i really enjoy her as an actress actually i just don't care how they've developed the character um like you just mentioned though too with thor he has no arc in this it's it's so disorienting going from avengers so skip over iron man 3 let's pretend that didn't happen right now going from avengers thor immediately to this and it's like what were you trying to accomplish? Like, what was the progression of Thor? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Thor didn't really have... He had a little bit of a character arc in Avengers. Um, but he runs into the same problem we kind of talked about earlier of being the god among men. I did like him in the beginning of this movie. I actually thought his character in the movie was good. and But unfortunately, he just didn't go anywhere. Like, yeah. I liked where he was in the beginning. Like, he was... Like, he was considerate of the Nine Realms. He was going around protecting the Nine Realms. He was being what the King of Asgard should be. And I like that. And it's a stereotype and it's a cliche, like I mentioned earlier, but I didn't necessarily, you know, mind one of them. It was just the fact that there's a ton. But him, like, looking towards Earth was a great start for a character arc. But it just didn't go anywhere. And he just ended up just leaving and going to Earth which I guess could be the conclusion to a character arc, but it's just not a good character arc. So, yeah. And the way, if I am if I have like a scale and a, a line graph of Thor's character journey and his like arcs, Thor 1, it's like an upward slope. Thor's a really cool character. By the end, he changes. It's great. 
you get Avengers, and he does have some more development in, in Avengers. And this one's a plateau. And I feel like in every other movie he's in from here on out, it's this down and up. Where like yeah. you lose some of his development, but then you gain a whole bunch, and then you lose some of it again. And so Thor has just always been that character that I just don't think no one knows what to do with him. Yeah, and people are trying because he's a cool character, but no one knows how to write for him, except for the first one, ironically, because I think the first one was honestly the one that is his best character arc. Absolutely, Thor one was amazing. Time to improv with the Shakespearean like atmosphere would have been a great, great addition. Yeah, yeah. Positives. What positives do you have? Uh, I thought Loki was really good. Um, and his, I thought his character arc and like the way they described his character and his motivations was standout performance. Um, and I haven't even touched Tom Hiddleston's acting yet, but just the way they wrote the character was great. Um, Malekith and his motivations made sense. It was a simple villain, you know, a little one dimensional, but it was a simple villain, which I think, I think if you give an overly complicated villain to Thor, it makes it too overly complicated because of how complicated Thor is and the dynamics of everything. See, that's where I'm going to disagree. I think Loki was great. I think Loki's story was awesome. But Malekith and the whole ether and like jamming in Infinity Stone as like a MacGuffin in this didn't make sense a lot to me because I couldn't tell you right now. I just watched this movie. I could not tell you the abilities of the ether really. And I could not tell you that's true. why they were going after it. Like I still don't understand the whole... Um, all the planets al- or all the realms aligning and the ether is going to do something with reality and it's going to affect things. It's going to make everything dark. Yeah. That's basically all I knew is it's just, it, it makes everything dark <laughs> and the eternal night comes. Basically vampires would be happy. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, Malekith wasn't like, if I had to take him out of the whole, just take him out of the whole movie and it wouldn't make a difference to me. Like he was just a dark elf in this. He wasn't. That is true. Like he didn't have any special powers. didn't have any special things. I did like his motivation though of like, I want to bring the dark, like this dark, you know, time, bring the darkness so that the dark elves can thrive and we can be all powerful again. And that's fair, but they don't, aside from the one thing with Odin at the beginning, they don't really talk about the dark elves and why they were like, banished or like why they were yeah bad. they never did that was more of a, it wasn't, a story structure set up yeah then. it wasn't until i played god of war ragnarok and i talked to you about this and then i watched this and i was like oh i know these names hey i know the dark elves i know yeah. okay north mythology i understand this but looking back it was like yeah i had no idea who the dark elves were and even this is what kind of ticked me off Malekith in the comics is really, really cool. Like, I actually really do like him. He is a dark elf, but he has abilities. He has superhuman strength. He has superhuman speed. He has superhuman stamina, durability, agility, reflexes. Uh, He has a healing factor. And the biggest one, he has magical energy manipulation. So he can actually take all that and just use it... um, in some comics, he he does it kind of like Loki, where he can manipulate illusions. In others, he can teleport. In others, he can like throw like blast of like energy at people. Like we didn't see hmm. any of that in this. Yeah, and you really didn't see that until he got the ether, 
which made it more of like the ether gave him that power and less this was power he already had and the ether amplified it. So I think that would have been cool if you showed him like, and especially you had that awesome backdrop of that first fight between Odin's dad and the dark elves. Like you could have had him and Odin's dad. And I, I honestly just don't know the character's name, the character's name, uh, <laughs> like oh, have yeah, a really cool fight where he, he was like throwing magic at him and he was going toe to toe and like fighting him and almost holding his own. It was just everyone else and them stealing the ether that like led to the loss. And then you could have had a really cool moment of when he got the ether his power is supercharged, you know, yeah. and that would have been really cool, but they didn't really do that. So in lead leading into like my number score, when we first see Malekith and he is starting the attack on Asgard, something that drew me out of the movie and was like, this is not a good villain is when he starts basically sending his henchmen out to do the things that he wants to do. Like he basically mm. was like, Hey, we know you're going to die. Go ahead. Go do it anyways. And like, yeah, they're henchmen. They're going to go do it. But it's like, really? Like, there's no other plan? Like, you had no other thing other than go kamikaze. Yeah. Yeah. So. I get it. Overall, story-wise, four out of ten. Yeah. I mean, that's justified. Um, I, I, what I did is I thought this movie just played it safe, like I mentioned in the beginning, and didn't really have any you know anything is outstanding it wasn't and i know i just i kind of just <laughs> been bashing on a lot of things but there was some bright sides like i mentioned with loki and i didn't mind malika and his motivations the way they developed the character wasn't great but his motivations i thought was good um i gave it a five just kind of average just kind of there okay and i think the and i think the reason we're kind of bashing on it so much is all the other marvel movies so far have been getting like sevens eights sixes in a lot of their categories and so this is just such a, a drop in quality from all the other marvel movies so it that i think that's why we're kind of talking about some of the bad things in it more than um more than the good because it's just such a drop so it's more it's more obvious and and they do learn from this like the next yeah. couple of movies are some of the most popular marvel movies that we'll be talking about um so i, I do think they learned um until phase four and then, then we'll talk, <laughs> we'll talk more we'll but <laughs> going into like these heroes and villains and all that that jazz let's talk about acting we've already hit on it most of the time but loki so tom hiddleston phenomenal probably amazing tom hiddleston every scene he's in steals it like i'm thinking of the scene like where um fig just dies so thor and loki's mom just died and Thor goes to talk to him and, and Thor has the line of like, brother, no more illusions. Like, let me see you. And then the illusion drops and it goes from this proud Loki that like doesn't care about the mom to the room destroyed and him sitting on the ground. He looks like a mess. And he just like, he does so well in that scene. And it's just so good. And he's, he's Tom Hiddleston does great. Does a great job in this movie. Absolutely. Uh, and I would actually also say Christopher Eccleston. I think even though I bashed on the villain and like his his motivations, like what he was doing and like all that, Christopher Eccleston put his energy into this role, and it it shows. Unfortunately, the writing I think let him down. Yeah, I would definitely see that. So, 
I just wish he would have been a better villain. Like they would have brought him in for maybe a different villain or something because man, he's a big name actor. Like I feel like you just squandered him. Like you just like you didn't utilize him. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, fun fact about Malekith. Um, originally, they were going to have a couple different actors play as him. Um, one of them being um, Benedict Cumberbatch. Was Really? Yeah, was scheduled to play Malekith, but then they decided to make him Doctor Strange. Super happy they changed that to Doctor Strange. He embodies Doctor Strange. I totally agree. And then Mad uh, Mads Mikkelsen was also okay. going to play him, who ended up playing the villain in Doctor yeah. Strange. Which so, another kind of subpar villain in my mind. Um, but yeah, so I thought it was really funny. But yeah, Christopher Eccleston did a great job um, in that movie, uh, in this movie, in this movie. Um, I thought Chris Evans' cameo I mentioned earlier was great. Really, really funny. Um. What's funny is he did an impression of an impression because he <laughs> wanted to play because he wasn't playing the Captain America, you know, Steve Rogers. He was playing Loki, who was playing Steve Rogers. Yeah. So how they did that is Tom Hiddleston put on the Captain America outfit and did an impression of Chris Evans being Captain America. And then Chris Evans watched that. And then for the scene, did an impression of that. That's funny. Isn't that great? I did not know that. Yeah. So I was like, that's fun. That's amazing. And like, perfect. <laughs> like, that is so perfect the way they do that. Um, so I thought he was great. Um, I thought Idris Elba killed it. Oh, man. Another actor that I wish they would utilize more. Yeah. And so they they put this amazing actor in this role. And he does he does such a great job. And like the role's just not large. Like no, it's not. <laughs> Heimdall just does not have a large role in outside of the Avenger movie, outside of the Thor movies. And he does great. And he's he's and every single one, every single Thor movie, he is fantastic. And I would also say the uh, the Warriors, uh, the Warriors three, Warriors four, whatever. They oh are. yeah, yeah. His they, friends. They did well too, but it's like. Man, that's another group that's very prominent in the comics at times and very prominent in North mythology. And like yeah. you didn't use, like you could have used them s- some more. But besides that, average acting with a little bit of like positives with Tom Hiddleston, Christopher Eccleston, I gave it a 5.5. That makes sense. Before I give you my score, um fun fact, you mentioned the warrior the warriors 3 or 4. Um, so originally in the original Thor, they wanted Zachary Levi to play Fandral. Um, yes, I, but I they had, but he couldn't because of, um, filming Chuck. So they had Joshua Dallas do it in the original Thor. Then fast forward to Thor, the dark world, Joshua Dallas could not be in Thor, the dark world because he's had commitments to once upon a time. Cause he was playing Prince charming. Yeah. So they went to Zachary Levi who is in this movie as Fandral. Uh, so it's kind of a full circle moment. I thought it was funny. Except if I remember correctly too, when they asked Zachary Levi to do it, they basically told him like, Hey, this is going to be a really prominent part. You'll be in the sequel. Like you're going to be a continual member of the MCU and all that. And then spoilers, 
they kill him off in Ragnarok. <laughs> I think they kill off all the warriors in Ragnarok. Except Sif. Yes. Sif's the only one because she comes back in Love and Thunder. Barely. Uh, <laughs> well, she also dislocated also, her shoulder during this movie. During the filming of this movie. in Loki. She was in Loki. That's right. She was. Um, I am digressing, though. Um, I gave this, <laughs> what was this score? my score is a 6.5. Because um, right. I thought everyone did all right. And then um, I thought there were some like really standout performances of like Idris Elba, Tom Hiddleston, Chris Eccleston, Chris Evans. Um, and I thought the girl that played Darcy, um, I thought she did great. Um, so she like she plays that comic relief role perfectly. She does. Let's jump to sound because I don't have a lot to say about sound. Because it's not memorable. (laughs) It is not memorable at all. The one thing that I kept thinking of the whole movie, because when I watch this movie, I have these categories like out in front of me. I take notes as I'm watching them just to be like, okay, what are my thoughts? What are my first impressions? I kept looking at sound. And throughout the whole movie, the thing that kept coming to me is this feels like the same thing. Like it doesn't feel like anything was improved on. It doesn't feel like anything was like added or taken out from the first Thor movie. Aside from like, you don't have like more Shakespearean kind of like sound anymore. It's just more bland. And so it just felt like a copy and paste. And it's like, you didn't do anything. Yeah. Something I kind of, as I was watching the movie, I was like, this is one, not memorable. Two, doesn't add anything to the film. Um, Like, and we've mentioned it before. I've mentioned it a lot. Soundtracks can make a film. Like you can have a a movie that's not the best, but add an amazing soundtrack, and it makes it so much better because it just Absolutely. adds to the scenes. It adds so much like weight to scenes. Look at Pixar. Yes. Like, oh my take, gosh. If you take the sound out of Pixar, some of them are probably not as emotional movies as you think they are. Hundred percent. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um. I mean, we talked about it last week when we were talking about uh, Quiet Place and how sound adds to a yes. movie um, or the lack thereof adds to a movie. This didn't add anything to the movie. On the plus side to the soundtrack, on the positive, it didn't take away anything from the scenes. It didn't, no. Like, I've, I've, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I've definitely sat in some movies where I'm like, wow, the soundtrack sucks and it is pulling me out of the film. And it is pulling away from these scenes and not doing well. This movie doesn't do that. It it is a it is a solid soundtrack that doesn't go above and beyond. It feel like you said it's very it feels very copy paste, and it might be because they went with a new composer for this movie. Um, they changed who it was, but it's kind of just. It's kind of just there. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, it's just, just kind of there. This makes me think that we probably gave it the same score. What'd you, what'd you do? I gave it a five. I also gave it a five. Yeah. Like, it's just kind of there. It's average. It's, it's average. It's there. It's not amazing. It's not bad. Yeah. There, there, there's, the, there's the rub. So, All right. last category. Last, last section, then. Color, palette, costumes, choices within the movie what you got so um i and i kind of i said this for the first thor 
I like the color choices in each of the costumes. Like the Loki with the like, emerald green, Thor's bright red cape. Like those type of colors were really good. The look of the cursed. When, you know, I'm thinking of the prison scene when he like crushes the, the ether stone mm-hmm. and like almost morphs into this creepy creature with the red breaking out of like almost ripping out of the skin looked really good. And I love the color choice of like the, the gold, you know, and the white, the pristine of Asgard contrasted to the dark, smoky, cursed look, right? I liked that. Besides that, it was, you know, the color choices were weird. It was interesting. It was yeah. all, I felt all over the place. And it might be because of kind of what we talked about earlier with all the different realms. They tried to make the realms feel so different. Um, and in doing that, they it almost felt like they kind of just took Instagram filters and layered it over the camera. Agreed. Because that's where I always want to mention the costumes. I agree. The costumes in leading up to this point, we've seen Loki and Thor in Thor, Avengers, and this. Their best costumes in those three, I think, are in the original Thor movie. I don't really care for um, kind of what they look like in the Avengers movie. Um, not saying they're bad. I'm just saying yeah. like, they seemed a little bit more over-exaggerated. In the first one, they're very vibrant. Loki yeah. is that emerald. Thor is that ruby color. And in this movie, it feels as if they put that filter over it and then muted those colors. I feel like overall the colors are good, but I, I'm thinking more of the realm colors. Like when you go to yeah. a realm, those get majorly filtered. And I would I say feel like all the, them, but the Asgard, one, though. All but Asgard. And Asgard Earth. was beautiful. I think they expanded on what Asgard looked like from the first movie. Yeah. But the costuming, I did not feel very, like, I felt indifferent with them. It didn't look like they improved at all. And they just kind of like, Instead, the colors I do feel were a little bit more muted. So Yeah, I would say that a lot of them were muted. And I feel like my uh, one problem, too, is the Dark Elves were all just copy and paste almost. Yeah, none of them looked unique. Yeah, like there wasn't any uniqueness to them or... Yeah, and they were all just the same. And so I, I didn't... I wasn't the biggest fan of that and that their costuming design. Um but I do, I do, I did like Thor and Loki's outfits in this one, and I didn't feel like their specific outfits were muted, when everything else may have been. Um, I would have liked to see more, you know, extravagance in the Allfathers and Odin's costume, like more gold, yeah. more extravagance. Um, but it makes sense that he was kind of going to retirement um, look. But like you said, it was nothing, nothing great, nothing standout-ish. But also, I feel like, again, they didn't backslide, in my opinion. Agreed. And I'm actually going to give it a score higher than average. I'm giving it a 6 out of 10 because of Asgard. Asgard looks great in this movie. That makes sense. And, yeah. Aside from that, everything else was just a 5. So... I gave it a (laughs) 5. Okay. So, yeah. This might be... The first time that you outscore me. It might be. What is your total score for this movie? My total score was a 5.4. Mine's a 
I still remain the more generous judge. Let's go. (laughs) But honestly, that is the closest that we have been, I think, on these (laughs) Probably. It goes to show that Thor the Dark World, as much as people rag on it, like there is some substance to that. Like Thor the Dark World did not and probably will not age well. But I don't know. They just played it safe. Too safe, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think, like, okay, like, looking at this movie, it's not a bad film. It's not a bad movie. No, overall. by any means. But I think the problem is, look at where it lies in the in the Avengers, you know, in the whole MCU. You have phase one with Iron Man. The original Thor was a good movie. You know, Captain America, Avengers. You have these, like, whoa movies that are just like dang these these are great these are they're building this amazing universe then you have iron man 3 which you know some people don't like some people like but is honestly an enjoyable movie and then you jump to thor the dark world which again like i said isn't a bad movie but is just not like what people came to expect from yeah marvel and the MCU. And I think because of that, it gets a little bit more of a bad rap. And because they didn't try to push the envelope and make a more in-depth storyline and make it, you know, unique and special, it fell flat. Agreed. It's nothing. I, I wouldn't even put it on the director or anything. Like at this point, I just don't think they knew what to do with Thor. And I think once we get into the next time we see Thor is Avengers Age of Ultron. And mm-hmm. I'm curious to kind of look at his character a little bit more closely on this rewatch just to see if there is any change. But last time I re- remember watching Ultron, it's a lot of setup, especially with Thor. So, yeah, I don't really remember that one as as well as some of the other movies. Um, so I'm actually excited to get to it. I'm excited to to rewatch phase two, especially the rest of phase two. Uh, Cause we still got some good movies left. Yeah. We coming up, we have, so the rest of phase two, we have Captain America, winter soldier. We have guardians of the galaxy. We have Ant-Man. <laughs> we have, uh, doesn't Age Ant-Man take place as of age of Ultron though. Technically it's the last movie of phase two though. That's true. That so is true. it doesn't actually uh, end with age of Ultron. And then, do we have any others? Captain America? No, that's it. Yeah, that's it. And I think, I I might be getting a little ahead of myself, but I think you look at, I think if you look at the two end of the spectrums, right, of phase two, which I'd say Thor the Dark World is probably the worst. And I wouldn't say Guardians is the best, but if you look at just the structure of those movies, Thor the Dark World played it safe, like we talked about. And it, it was all right. It was not great. It was it was average. Guardians pushed the envelope in every area it could. Did something special. Everything was unique, different, something like you unexpected. And that is our like arguably one of the best movies in phase two. I would yeah, arguably, because we have Winter Soldier. Yeah, I'd say Winter Soldier is <laughs> the only one that's better than that movie in phase two. Yeah, I would agree. Now what everybody's waiting for. 
before we can even end is what did you think about the post credit scenes in Thor the Dark World? I'm trying to remember them. <laughs> so there was two. The first oh, one. Yes. The first one was with Loki in the throne. And it was like, it was him, right? Or was that the very end of the movie? That was the very end of the movie. So technically that wasn't an end credit. The first end credit is Sif and one of the Warriors 3 giving the yes to the collector. To the collector. Yes. The, uh, I, it was like kind of the prompt of like, why are you giving this to me? It's like, well, we have the Tesseract, so we don't want to. Yes. And that's like some of the first time it's like really saying the importance of the Infinity Stones. Yeah. Um, I thought it was good. I thought it was really good. I think it's better with Guardians. It is. It was definitely setting up Guardians. Yes, which I thought was good. Um, my, I think my one problem with it is something that I feel like has, I, me- I kind of mentioned earlier, they don't know where to land Thor on whether it's magical or sci- sci-fi science-y. Yeah. And that, like, that scene kind of blurred the lines a little bit, you know? And so, and I get it, it's all, like, all connected, all one world, all, you know, one universe. But it is, you know, I thought it was all right. I thought it was good. Yeah. And then, of course, the second scene I thought was just pointless. It was Thor coming Thor back to Earth. coming back. And then seeing the little creature thing running around. One thing I will say about that scene, that is the one time Natalie Portman had a, had a body double in the movie. Yes. And it was Thor's, I, yeah. it was Chris Evans' wife. Because, um, like, they didn't have anyone. It's actually one of my favorite fun facts about Marvel is Natalie Portman was away filming something else. And they had to ref- they had to shoot this last scene, and they had like four or five body doubles, and they're like, "Hey, pick which girl you want to kiss." And Chris Evans was like, "My wife's on set today and has, you know, dark hair. Can I just kiss her?" And they were like, "Yes, yes, you can." And so they <laughs> it was her, and I just love that. I love that it's his wife, and I think that's it's amazing. Such a good, good, good fun fact. It's just you know heartwarming. It is. Well, um, that that's really all I have on Thor because I could continue talking about the bad things and I don't really want to. Um, so next up, we're going to be doing uh, Captain America Winter Soldier in two weeks. So if you want to follow along as we're doing this, you got two weeks to watch Captain America Winter Soldier. Next week, we are jumping back to the TV realm. Tim, what are we what are we doing next week? Yeah, next week we are talking about honestly one of my favorite TV series, um, which is Psych. So we're jumping into you know that psychic detectiveness with Sean Spencer and talking about all the shenanigans that he gets up to. So I'm really excited. It's gonna be a really fun conversation. I've I love the show, but I think I've only watched it recently compared to you. So it's gonna be fun to kind of pick your brain on it who's kind of grew up with it yeah so yeah yeah. i grew up watching it uh but if you like this show give it a like give it a follow um leave a comment we'd love to have you enter the conversation like what what did you think of thor the dark world did you think we were a little too harsh do you think we were too generous what are your thoughts we'd love to hear that um share with your friends if you think your friends would enjoy this show if you think maybe your coworkers or someone you know would enjoy it send it over to them we'd love to have them enter the conversation as well and hear their thoughts um we release podcasts every monday and on pretty much anywhere you can get your podcast at so give it a like give it a listen we have a back catalog of a lot of other fun episodes so 
give those listens if this is your first time joining us. And we have a lot of other things coming up, like Trey mentioned. Because you know. It's all geek to me. 